We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. The old man, Andreas Hale, is back in the building. He was off gallivanting in New York City, freezing. Last week, we had our fan, fan appreciation episode with 12 of you guys came through and chopped it up with me. I thank you guys, but it's time for the open hand to get back in the corner club. Dre, what's up? How was your trip? Man, first of all, I don't know how the hell you did such a long ass show. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm never going to listen to it. Not the whole thing at one in one sitting. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to listen to it in pieces eventually, but I can't believe that you had the endurance to do a show that was that long. That's insane. It was like a gauntlet match. It was like the gauntlet match from Raw. 
Sometimes you just got to pull the Seth Rollins, you know, you just got to go from number one all the way through. Uh, nah, the, the listeners came through. It got to a point where I was like, you know what? I don't want to leave anyone out. Usually we do like three or four people. I was like, nah, if they want to chop it up, let's just, you know, hit me up. I'll make time for you. So it took up my entire morning, but it, it was good. We touched on everything, uh, every combat sport, a little bit of hip hop, a little bit of uh, R&B in there, some beef, you know, like the Kanye stuff, Kanye losing his mind. Uh, some relationship stuff. So shout out to everyone who was on the show. It, it was really fun. The hot takes were actually to a minimum, which I, I kind of dislike. I could have been like a little little more controversial in my takes, but we were just having fun and, and talking. So maybe maybe it's you, Dre. Maybe my hot takes are only hot when you're around and you're on the show or I'm texting that's you or you're on Twitter. I, I feel that, like that's, no man, it's all your fault. You you bring nah. it, You draw out the hot takes in me. Nah, I don't think so. But anyway, um, yeah, man. I mean, I wanted to do the show last week, but New York was just insane for our first Canelo fight on the zone. Um, yeah, it was cold. I got there. I got there Wednesday. It was like 60 coming out of Vegas, and it was snowing when I landed. So I didn't appreciate that much. Um, I don't know if anybody followed me on social media. You've seen, like, I did interviews with Anthony Joshua, Mo Hooker. Um, Daniel Jacobs in a very well-produced joint. I had my screen test for the zone, so you might be seeing me more on their programming. Um, man, and then Saturday night was the fight, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but I'll just tell you that my dumbass booked my flight back to Vegas for Sunday morning at 7 a.m., oh. not realizing that I'm on East Coast time with the fight. So the fight ended about you know, 12. We had a debrief meeting, um, and then... Before I knew it, it was 3 in the morning. So I had to go straight to the hotel, grab my bag, take the, uh, uh, an Uber to JFK, which is fucking ridiculous. And <laughs> anybody, man, listen, I'm, I'm used to Ubering from my house to the Air Force. I don't have to drive. But then it's like the, that Uber from JFK to New York, to the city, like 80 bucks. That's, just, that's stupid. You could have just um, caught the train, but I don't even know if that was running at 3 a.m. Listen, so. no, I expensed that shit, and I'm not going to pay for it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I went straight to the airport, uh, and then I got on my flight, which was, you know, the five-hour flight back to Vegas. And I didn't I, – so to put it like this, I woke up at Saturday morning at 7 a.m. East Coast time because we, we had a meeting. Then we had our Anthony Joshua sit down, a one-on-one. Then it was the fight and all that shit. I didn't go to sleep until about 11.30 p.m. Pacific time on Sunday. So I was dead to the world ridiculous that's 47 hours you're bugging it was it was nuts i mean it, it was it was just that type of week we were running interview i interviewed rocky fielding about a stupid tattoo um i don't know if anybody <laughs> saw it he has boxing gloves on his shoulders but it looks like cherries so i had to ask him about that um so it, it was just it was a lot man i spent time like people may not know this but our programming our boxing programming director for the zone is a former employee of wwe who worked there from 2012 to last year. And we went to a bar. Uh, it was a, the whole, it was a whole team. We went to a, a, it was a meeting and then we went to an appreciation dinner. And then we went to a bar afterwards to talk business. Well, business started talking to the shots and the shots turned into like a thousand dollar bar tab. And in between all of this, I started probing him. I was like, mm, take another shot. So what happened? So I was asking him questions about the WWE and from those years. Yo, it's stuff I can't repeat on this podcast because I'll get killed. But, yo, it was so 
much information about pro wrestling because he was there from 2012 to 2018. And then I met with a guy from Fight who runs the CEO of Fight TV who worked at the WWE from WrestleMania 1 to WrestleMania 5. Then he worked, he worked at TNA for six years. He worked at WCW from 97 till it died. And um, he was back at WWE for some turn. So I, I got to talk to them about pro wrestling. Man. It's a whole different perspective. Yo, there was the stuff that I heard. I was like, oh, my God. Take another shot. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was unbelievable. And that was like the highlight of my weekend. People were like, the fight? No, not the fight. Didn't you to go to ROH? Now. I was about yeah, to say. That's not even was, a highlight. And I got to... Uh, I got to tour the Hammerstein Ballroom, but I got to hang out with like the production team and, and go behind the scenes into like the control room and see where kind of like Gorilla was at, and um, just watch them like you know talk about calling the matches. It's crazy. That was like the highlight of my week. Forget boxing, forget all that. It's pro wrestling. That was what it was all about in New York City. <laughs> That's what's up. Now you're back. You're well rested. It seems like even though you're off the grid for like two days when you came back. Uh, no one heard from you Monday or Tuesday. You just popped back up last night in the group chat. Yeah, I was <laughs> dead. I didn't watch a lot of SmackDown until like yesterday morning. I was dead. I was done. Yeah, I mean, but now we, we get a whole different turn, and we'll talk about that. And a promise that SmackDown and Raw are going to change. So we'll see how much we believe that. We'll talk about that later in the show. Uh, one thing, I saw you peep out a little bit on Twitter on the timeline. And you couldn't stay away from me. As soon as I saw it on Twitter, and this was the topic of discussion this past week, I was like, oh, Dre's going to lose his shit. And that is, who is the king of R&B? Oh, my God. And people always attribute you to hip-hop, right? Because that's what you do. You write a lot about hip-hop, hip-hop DX, and then BT, and Two Dope Boys, all this stuff. But when I first got to know you, you were all all about R&B. You were going listening to some jazz shit. It wasn't until like maybe one of the Kendrick albums where you're like, okay, I feel like listening to rap again. But you were just listening yeah. to straight R&B for like a year and a half when I first met you. Look, if anybody follows me on Apple Music, which I've noticed is strangely growing, like I, you create a profile and then all of a sudden people start following you, which is weird. I have a playlist that I listen to all the time. It's called Oral Stimulation that I created. It's like 400 songs of, it's like no hip hop whatsoever. And it's all I listen to. Uh, like I go, like I listen to albums, but I don't like. I can't work while listening to rap music because it makes me angry. It just doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work, man. It, it, it like penetrates my psyche and it messes with how I write because I start writing in rhymes and riddles and shit. So I listen to like R and B, like deep house, jazz. I listen to a bunch of other shit. So yeah, like R and B has always been like my speed. Like, I mean, come on, man. How many? I'm aging myself, and even though I'm old man Andreas. I used to always, like, I was that dude in high school that would have the super ultra hot sex tape. I would make those cassette tapes and slang them joints in high school because I had everything. Damn shame that you had a tape. I at least had, like, playlists. I was at least a Napster kid. I was a Napster and LimeWire kid. I was a straight mixtape, Maxell cassette, the the dual cassette decks, and I would, you know, we used to, because, you know, back in... Back when I was in high school, there was burning CDs had just started, and in order to have a burner, you had to have like money, and I didn't. So it was like I used to have the hot cassette mixtapes. So it was like it was always about R and B. I love hip hop. Don't get me wrong, and hip hop is like where I've made my bread and butter and everything else. But 
Yeah, going back to this this King R&B shit, your boy Jaquees saying that, it's wild. <laughs> Yo, I've never heard one of his songs. What does he sing? I don't know, but you're calling yourself, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> but it just it just dissolved into like a whole, like Jay Holiday being called a valley. Like, man. What Jay Holiday like, was Jay Holiday? for like, like one how, album. But how are you? How are you talking? Your biggest hit, The Dream wrote. Yeah, wrote damn near the whole album. You got to relax. Like, you got to chill, too. So, yeah, I saw, like, the whole timeline dissolved in, like, who is the king of R&B, like, period, and, like, today. And I yeah. think it's, like, two different conversations. It and is. People, and it, it's wild, man. Like, I'm going to let you talk because you're probably going to give me some bullshit, but the king of R&B, this conversation is very crazy, and it, it tells you how old people are. It, it's different. So you got to put, like, you know, qualifiers on, okay, what, when are you qualifying? Like, when are we starting R&B? Because I'm not going back to like the 70s, the, maybe even the 80s is too far. Like, I, I don't count Prince and Michael in there. To me, they, they have no genre. They, they transcended everything. So I didn't, I didn't include them in, in this mix. They're in a whole different bag. Um, and to date myself real quick, since you dated yourself, the first like R&B, like freak off style mixtape that I created on CD for high school, I remember it was like, Eighth grade, ninth grade, it was heavy on the pretty Ricky. Oh God! I was, I was like my my high school like glory years was like the times when dudes were humping ottomans online and shit. So I was slanging like CDs with mad, mad unreleased pretty Ricky on it. Uh, yeah, it's a damn shame. So that tells you we are a little bit different in genres, but overall, king of R and B. Going back to that. I don't count Mike and all this stuff. I'm not going to go back. I, I, what, the 70s music is like sold to me? I'm not counting it. I'm not going to pull out Marvin Gaye and all this shit. Like, I'm not counting that. Um, so I'm pretty much starting late 80s on. Bobby Brown on. When he, you know, was the bad boy of R&B. I'm going to just go from there on. And I think it's it's not even a discussion. That's like asking me the king of hip-hop. Like, that's, it's not a discussion. It's Jay-Z. Next question. The king of R&B as we know it today, is R. Kelly. End of discussion. Oh, God. <laughs> like, I understand we got to cancel him. And I'm not, you know, I'm not advocating for him being a fucking creep and a weirdo. But if you just look at, at the resume, it's R. Kelly. That's, sorry, I put Benoit on my top five wrestling list. I understand some people are shitty people. But I just look at resume objectively. R. Kelly's the king of R&B. Okay, R. Kelly is something. King of R&B, <laughs> he is not. Like, this is this is my issue with the King of R&B conversation. Because the King of R&B, there is no real qualifier. The original King of R&B was Bobby Brown because he was the highest selling artist. Period. At that time, and he had, and he, he was one of the first artists to truly blend like hip hop and R&B. And he was an electric performer, which R. Kelly is not. And uh, you tell I mean, me you, you didn't find Trapped in the Closet riveting? Come on, man. Like, <laughs> my, the biggest issue with R, with R. Kelly, like, if he wasn't a creep, there would be, there's a legitimate argument. But, I like, I think King encompasses more than just hits or singing ability or baby-making music. Like, there's so much involved in that conversation. And which is why Bobby Brown, because people are like, oh, he only had, like, one classic album. All right, he was a new edition. Y'all forget about that. 
And when he struck out on his own, like people had wrote him off and he had an album before the big album, but he sold like so many records. Like he was huge. He don't got classics like R, yo. Like it's Robert, Robert Kelly got class. Like you go from the 12 plays all the way through. I mean, ended up the best in both worlds. All the way through what? Like Chocolate Factory was dope. Chocolate Factory was trash, in my opinion. Like (laughs) R. Kelly's two best albums were back to back. The 12 play album and the self-titled album. After that, he did was the 12 play two, the double CD. Yeah, and that, that was, wasn't, yeah, that wasn't and it had, great. had some joints, but it, it was, it would just wasn't it. So, so here's my thing. The, there, there are a lot of princes, paupers, jesters, but there's really no king. And I will, and if there was truly, if you really go through time, the king of R&B truly is Stevie Wonder. But people will say, uh, 70s, 80s, but Stevie Wonder has made R&B music from the, like the damn time he was born Till now, he's still here. We know how and you feel about Stevie. <laughs> yes, but Stevie's the king of R&B. Like, and I know you can't, like, Prince, the, if you try to put Prince in that category, it's like insulting the Prince. It is. Because he is so much more than R&B. And Michael Jackson's obviously the king of pop. If Michael Jackson wanted to be the king of R&B, he could be, but he's not. He's the king of pop. The, the king of R&B right now is Beyonce. Give a fuck what anybody says. R&B's, okay, like, we can't Becky Lynch this shit. I understand. That we, makes sense. We can. Like, <laughs> Beyonce is the king of R&B right now. Like, right uh, at this very moment. You know, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of the Beehive, Dre. Don't make me... No, I'm not either, but I'm, uh, let's just be honest. Like, like, she has hits. She has classics. She has longevity. Like, she's doing everything. Like, nobody else is selling out stadiums and making memorable music that people will just... Jam to like dudes won't even front. They will listen to some Beyonce. Like Crazy in Love is still a joint. Single Ladies is still a joint. She is the king of R and B right now. She could be the queen of R and B. It's okay to still have a queen of R and B. Look, she's the Khaleesi of Game of Thrones in R and B. She's got the dragons and everything. <laughs> get about it. Like Beyonce is running the show. The R Kelly argument I get, but then this this is like, well, where does Usher fall into this? Usher, Usher, his his latest run diminishes him, but Usher's on my list. Whoa. He, he got you he got that. a. But doesn't R. Kelly's latest run diminish him as well? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's this very ratchet song he has with Migos that I thoroughly enjoy. But okay, if they're both diminished by the latest run, R. Kelly still got more joints than Ush. Ush Ush would disappear on you for like four or five years. I mean, but do, like, does he like Confessions? Like, I'm not even. I, I didn't even really like Confessions. But Confessions that shit was went, dope. But that shit went like I liked it. I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was good. That everybody else thought it was. But that shit went diamond. Like R. Kelly, yes, he has baby making music. Yes, he has like ignition, which I hated. Feeling on your booty, okay, whatever. He made some really stupid music. But like Usher, <laughs> the the reason why Bobby Brown was king R and B was because of the whole package. Usher's whole package, performance wise, blows just about anybody else out the water. Like his 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 show. I would then argue that Chris Brown would be higher than Usher. Chris Brown is the prince. He's the offspring of Usher. Because Chris, he Chris is, Brown he is did, not. He did that, but what, he did what Usher did, but better. No, he did. He dances no, better no, than Usher. He's stop, a better dancer. Stop, He's a better stop, performer. Stop, stop, he stop, he stop, has more hits, stop. top to bottom. Stop. He does not have more hits than Usher. He does have more stop. hits than Usher. I went to a Chris Brown concert. He played hit after hit after hit after hit for two stop hours. It. Stop it. Stop it. Two hours, Dre. Cut it out. You oh, need to stop. 
Uh, Usher has a better performance. Like Chris and I Brown, really like Usher. Chris Brown's but, better. Uh, Usher has a better voice than Usher by like a country mile. Usher, I mean, Chris Brown can't really sing. Usher has a much better voice than Chris Brown. Usher, like Usher, ran the scene. Chris Brown has never he like he's he's been in the mix, but Chris Brown has never really run the scene like Usher did. He's been running it for years. At, to this day, he's still the hottest. If he. Is Chris he? Brown drops an R&B album tomorrow. He's outselling everyone. He is. It, is he? Is he? He is. Let, let, don't go. Don't. Who don't make. Who don't you give it to? Bruno Mars. Don't. No. Bruno Mars is pop. But Usher. Usher is better. Like Usher is like way better than Chris Brown. Like I'm not even going to entertain that conversation. Like even early Usher. Call me a Mac. Can you get with it? Like that Usher. Usher. Is, my way. Uh, 8701. Confessions. That's my hell of a street. Those four, and that, and incredible. That, they, name a Chris Brown album that touches any of those. Oh, man. Let me pull up the discography. Because I was just reading off Usher's discography. Yeah, Chris has had some joints. The yeah. X album was dope. Was it better than Confessions? Top to bottom. No, Confessions was no. really good. Confessions had some skips, but not many. Was Chris Brown, better, like, top to bottom, has more hits, though. Oh, God. He anyway, no. once this discography pops up, <laughs> you, I mean, you can pop up that discography, and he's, and he's a lot better dancer. Like you no, can't even, you no, can't even. On. Dog, stop! Yo, stop. why are you disrespecting Chris Brown? Like Usher's really good at dancing. Chris Brown is great. Chris, like Usher, has a better show, like choreographed performance. Like Chris Brown can dance, but when it comes to Usher and choreographed performances. You can't really touch that dude. So the and first Chris Brown album, Fire, named Chris Brown. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Fame, Fame had yeah. joints. X was dope. Stop. And let me check. I think Royalty was dope. My Way 8701 Confessions. Chris Brown can't touch those three albums. I don't know. Dre, I don't know. The, the hits, the hits are no joke, Dre. Like, he doesn't have a my boo. He doesn't have a you don't have to call. He doesn't have a my way. Yeah, he, well, listen, I love all those songs and they're kind of nostalgic for me, so I can't like, like cut them down. Like I really don't want to cut them down. In no way am I trying to because I love all those songs. And to this day, if I got a karaoke, that that's where I'm going. But Chris had joints. He, look, look, I'm not going to say that Chris Brown is not a star. Run it, or anything yo, like that. give but me that. Not, Come on. He's not bigger than Usher. Dre, mm-hmm. the first album alone had Run It. Yo, give me that and pop it on it. Was it was it better than Confessions? It's You can't look if you can't say it outright, if you really gotta think about it, no. If I not. compare first album to first album, Chris. Well, no, we're not no 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 no. We're not gonna do first album to first album. We're gonna talk about the body of work. No, it compares more to my about... way than it does confessions. Because it was young Chris, it was young. Dog, those three albums, Chris Brown does not have that kind of run. He just, he doesn't. He doesn't. And that's not saying those albums were bad, because the X album is good. But, and again, I'm not the biggest fan of Confessions, but the impact that Confessions had on the industry. Yeah, that shit was was incredible. Like, like, dog, he was, that was the closest thing to the king of R&B as far as the total package is concerned. But right now, there is no king. It's Beyonce. That's it. <laughs> End of story. Right now, I would still, I mean, all things equal. If I had to put someone there, I don't think anyone's dethroned Chris. 
because um, whenever he decides to drop, he always dominates and takes over. Um, but right now, I, I would agree there's no king. Beyonce can be the queen. There's a reason why there's queens in kingdoms. Um, but if there was a king, there's too many people fighting over it. Like, I'm a big Weekend fan. People are like, oh my God, Weekend's not R&B. What the hell do you think he is? Like, it, people are just completely excluding House of Balloons um, and, and that whole era. Like, The Weekend got joints. He hasn't had a bad project yet. Uh, which one was it? Like, <laughs> like the weekend's been dropping. Every every album is is dope. Um, and there's like a lot of young kids. Like right now, like Black is really dope. Yeah, but they're not kings. No, like, you're, you're not a king yet. You know, you don't got that longevity yet to be king right now. Um, and they're not game changers either. Like if, the if weekend's a game. I, the weekend. No, the, he's Drake's not whole changer. style of singing is kind of the weekend style of singing. Let's but just be Drake honest. Was out- wasn't Drake out before the weekend though? Okay. Oh, I'm um, pretty sure he took a couple of those. Like, oh, that's a very nice song. We, no, 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 no. He didn't because because Drake was out in 08. Weekend didn't start until 2010. Well, Weekend and was on XO though. I mean, Weekend was on uh, OVO before XO was a thing. But that was dog. I'm telling you, like, so far gone did not steal remnants any remnants out off of the weekend. No, no. But you get to the Marvin's rooms and everything past that is very weekendish. Yeah, but like it was, he's Weekend's not a game changer. As much as I dislike Robert Sylvester Kelly as an individual, the man changed the game. Yes, he did. Like he, he created was a sing game rap. Yeah, which has since become absolute trash. But <laughs> he is a game changer. Weekend's not a game changer. Weekend is for the like, like Weekend could be forgotten with a bad album because you remember the dream was owning the scene at one point. Oh, the and dream! Now, the dream was a game changer with the pen because to me, he could never sing. He's but not a shit. game changer with a pen. Oh, he's just a, he was a really good art. Look, look then, then Neo's a game changer with a pen. I mean, come on, man. Like, they're not game changers. They didn't change the genre of R&B. They are just the star of the moment. Weekend's the star of the moment. Neo had, a, had an exceptional run. An exceptional run. Which could be argued to be close to, like, a king of R&B. But not. Not so much. Yeah. Like, Trey Songs, I don't, I, I don't think he belongs in that conversation. Trey's dope. Yeah, but I mean that's that's fair. Trey, but Trey's like Wale a lot. People either really like him or really dislike. Him. Yeah, but Weekend didn't change the game. Like he's not changing anything. So no one now has changed the game. Like no, it, that's why there's no king. There's nobody. There's no king long enough. But if if you want to put like even in the discussion, because R. Kelly is the king. Like just, just go. You choose by Brown. R. Kelly. It's hard to dispute that. Um, but you get, look at a guy like Justin Timberlake. Oh, don't do it. Don't stop. It's no, JT. We're not, gonna, we're not even going to JT we're not going was R&B before this fucking Dog, this, we're not this going real down millennium this man or like lumberjack man. What do you mean we're not going down the rabbit hole? Because that's, that's some... Is he disclosed? Like the, the king of R&B? No, I'm really? saying that if you're you're taking resumes for the king of R&B, top five conversation, top ten, Justin is R&B. But he's, he's not in that conversation. If Neil's in a conversation, no. Justin's up there. Oh hell no! Justin's then above Neo to, somewhere, Bruh, You need to like qualify R and B then, because if you're calling Justin Timberlake R and B and saying Neo is not, has or, a lot of pop. No, I'm not saying it is not. I'm just saying Justin's above him. Come on, like above Neo in R and B. Like Justin oh, Timberlake yeah. is pop. He has some R and B joints. Neo is R and B. R and B is like Fantasia. Luther Vandross, like Luther Vandross, arguably no, the king are, of Yeah, Luther. I mean, but we ain't like, going back that far for this conversation's sake. But what I'm saying, like that's R and B. What Justin Timberlake makes is R and B mixed with pop. 
it's like antiquated R&B. It's, he's, he doesn't belong in the king of R&B. Like, yeah, I'll take your resume, but I'll rip it in front of your face. Like, and I, and look, I'm not even gonna front. I like Justin Timberlake's first two albums, but King of R&B conversation, absolutely not. Because if Justin Timberlake's in that conversation, then so is Bruno Mars, and they're both not in that conversation. All right, yeah, because Bruno would probably be the king of R&B now if he was in allowed in the conversation. Even though I thoroughly dislike listening to Bruno Mars music just because it gets played so much and I get annoyed. But I can't front on what the guy does and how talented he is. Um, all right, so that's King of R&B. You guys let us know. Dre, Dre's a little crazy with his takes, but it's okay. He tried to cancel Robert Kelly. Fuck it, we'll let him cancel Robert Kelly. He won't take him into account. Um, the other thing that popped off is, depending on when you guys listen to this, but it was, I believe, Wednesday night, which is yesterday right now for us, Joe Budden proposed to his fiance. Since Santana, during a live podcast, which is dope, um, on stage he said yes, blah, 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 shout out to Joe Budden. I'm sad as a Joe Budden fan. One, because he's not rhyming. Two, because I don't get another mood music. But everyone deserves happiness. Congrats to him. I say that to say this. Dre, how did you propose? Um, on my wife's birthday. It's nothing too complicated. I was overdue. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna be really like you missed your window, and then like you just you're like fuck it, I gotta I gotta get get this done. Yeah, I mean, kind of like you know, there was really no reason for me not to propose to my wife, and um, it was her birthday, and I was like, I need to do this. Like, I don't know what I'm waiting for, and I did it on her birthday. I bought a ring, um, and I made a video of us through the years and all our vacations, everything, and it had like. And like family was over there, and it was it was it was cute. It was like, like I had at a, the crib. Yeah, like I you know like I, I had a house party. It was not not and it turned into an engagement. Well, no, I had an engagement party later, but it, it turned into me uh, proposing to my wife. It, it nothing too complicated, but it was it was I, I will say that it was overdue. I, like I should have been married to my wife. <laughs> That's not bad. I mean, listen, you go at your own pace. I've, this I've learned. Um, I, I, I don't know why I just thought there was something like super fantastic miracle. Like you proposed maybe when you were in New York on, I, like, you know, on the empire state building or nah. I don't know. You're just so nah. just subtle with things. Like, all right, no, nah. will you marry me? Um, no, that's, that's crazy. Both of mine. Well, my current engagement, everyone, if you just checked out my Instagram, saw me propose, it was a random night. I proposed on. I believe September 9th, uh, Elena listens to this podcast, so she's going to kill me if I don't remember the exact date, um, but I know it was around her birthday, so I think it was September 9th, September 8th, I proposed, I decided to buy the ring and propose on September 7th, hmm. so September 7th hit, I was just walking through the mall, um, I was going to buy her two pair of shoes for her birthday, because I just had this horrible habit of buying her shoes and stocking her closet. And uh, I was in there, I was walking around, and I want a hot dog on a stick lemonade. If everyone's been to the malls in Vegas, like, that, that's the go-to. And it's right past the jewelry stores. And I looked, and I was like, mm, let me just look around. Ring caught my eye. I was like, yo, how much is that one? They're like, cool. I was like, I'll take it. Bought it, uh, hid it inside of the shoes I was giving her, because I always gave her shoes, so she thought nothing of it. At dinner, and uh, she looked in the box, she saw the ring, opened it up. Gave this weird, funny-looking face, almost started crying, and said yes. So that one was pretty spontaneous. So it was like, okay, 
you know, this day I want to marry her. By the ring, two days later, we're engaged. Cool beans. My first engagement, I was in college. It was whack. But I did have the pizza man pull up, went downstairs, gave him the ring, ran back upstairs, had her pay for the pizza. She, I was like, yo, make sure that you didn't mess up the cheese. You know, they're kind of whack over there sometimes. She opened it. The ring was in it. I was down on a knee. And that, that, my friend, you got to gotta be spontaneous. Even when you're broke. I was broken in college and that worked out. So my Ronnie, my Ronnie romance side comes out a little bit. You, I mean, I also appreciate you having the whole fam over for it. But that would put pressure in front of me. I would get nervous that something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Like a bunch of people watching. So that, that shit's crazy. How long did it take you to pick out the ring? Because everyone, I feel like the girls, the first thing they do is put the ring on and they take like selfies. Like, oh my God. And like the ring's in front of their face and like they got to show it. Like, oh, it was crazy. Um, but I, for us guys, I feel like th- th- we know that pressure and it takes forever to pick out the right ring. Yeah, it, I can't, to be honest, I can't remember. It didn't take me that long. Uh, you're yeah, cool. You were like overdue, remember. overdue. Like, yo, did you hold on to the ring for a while? Like, yo, you bought it and then it took you like three months to propose? Yeah, I sat on it for a while. Because I knew I was going to do it on a birthday. But I, I bought it and I was like, let me sit on this for a while. Okay. And okay. it was right it was right before I moved to New York too. It was like June, her birthday is June Juneteenth, June nineteenth. And I went to I got hired by BT like a week, like three weeks later. And it, that was the crazy thing, is like I wasn't expecting to get hired. So it was like it, our whole lives changed in that time frame. Like we had our engagement party and it was also like our going away party at the same time. But uh yeah, like it, I didn't spend that maybe a few months. I chopped around a little bit. Okay, you're very, you're just very understated with it. everything's so cool. This is just like when you told me you were having a baby. Yeah, she walks downstairs. You're like, oh, everybody, by the way, we're having a kid. Keep going, keep on watching wrestling. And we're just like, what? <laughs> like, like you didn't miss a beat. I was like, yo, did he just casually just drop this shit on us? Like, and, and go back to watching this pay per view. Like you're just yeah. watching Wrestle Kingdom, like this shit's like it's cool. Oh man, yeah, Dre is crazy. People, if you guys didn't know, so uh, that's our engagement stories. Shout out to Joe Budden and Happy Life. Hopefully, it lasts all the way through. You know, no Cardi B situations. Hopefully, um, with Offset and crying on the gram. We don't need to see all that. Uh, let's get to combat sports. What we're here for. Let's touch on the fight you went to New York to see, Canelo Alvarez versus Fielding. MSG, Canelo's finally getting, you know, a little bit away from Las Vegas, which will always kind of be his home and home turf. But now he's spreading his wings a little bit. The money's guaranteed. He might as well, you know, just venture out and see what other fan bases are about. Grow his brand. And New York was the next step in this. But I feel like MSG is cursed. MSG is now the home of just the one-sided knockout fights. We can't get a good fight there to save our life. People just getting washed constantly. Yeah, I mean, the day the fight was announced, everybody knew. Like, it, there was Rocky had no chance in hell. But Rocky had like some size. He had the, the length. He was at no. least eight pounds bigger. Here's the question: Did you know who Rocky Fielding was before this fight? No, no clue. Hey, no clue hey, how he got a belt. That belt's not even a real belt. Yeah, it's a WBA title. It's, it, yeah, so it's like it was just. Canelo needed something to do. It was a great way to introduce him on the zone, and he found an opponent with a title. And that was really it. Like, I thought the fight would have lasted longer, 
I thought Canelo was going to drag it out a little bit. But the moment Canelo hit him in the body, I, I remember sitting there going, oh, this shit is over. Rocky doesn't <laughs> even know how to block a body shot. Like, he couldn't tuck his elbow and stop Canelo from wrapping that, that left hook to the ribs. Like, Canelo murdered Rocky Fielding's body. His, his guts were rearranged in that fight. But, again, I knew it was going to be one-way traffic, but that was, it was brutal. It was brutal. I will say this, though. What I didn't expect was there to be so many Mexican supporters at Madison Square Garden that night. That was insane and completely unexpected. I, did, I had no idea. That place was rocking. The Mexican community is really booming in New York, though. Like, I feel like over the past, like, 10 years, like, there's just been an influx. Growing up there, I don't remember that many. Like, I didn't have too many Mexican friends, necessarily. Everyone was Puerto Rican or Dominican. Um, there was, like, a few. But no, like, I feel like there's a, a big Mexican community in New York now. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good market for them. You know what? They'll come out. No need to overprice the tickets. It's a glorified wow. exhibition. So, you know, let the people, let you be accessible. Get those extra fans um, that'll come out. You, you never know who's down the line. Maybe you get that opportunity to get maybe a fight with the next great Puerto Rican fighter. Now you got an established fan base in New York. So now it's like, oh, Puerto Rico versus Mexico battle again. Oh, my God. And then you put that in New York and you sell a ton. So he's laying the groundwork. But, yeah, I thought it was just a dominant fight. It was so out. It was just outclassed. It was just something to do. Collect a quick check. Stay in shape. And let people see what this this new platform to zone, which isn't new. It's like, what, you guys are a year deep? Um, no, no, not in the States. In the States, we launched, uh, our official launch was September. So it's only been like three months. Oh, shit. I thought you guys launched like last September. Um, Mm-mm. Though that's quick. You guys have done a lot. It's a whirlwind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so people are getting used to it. Uh, I've heard, you know, conflicting things on numbers. Some people say it's like horrible numbers. Some people say it's great. No, I saw one that was like 21 million people saw the fight. I was like, All right, man. Like, regardless, it seems like a lot of people were talking about it. That's just how I judge everything now. What's your buzz? Like, it was, was social media talking about it. Did you have a nice little hype about it? And I did. I, I saw people tune in and they, they really went um, to see Canelo and see how he did and, and follow him along. And now the question becomes, what's next? Oh boy, yeah, that's that's the question. And um, like, I spent some time with with Daniel Jacobs. Uh, he's he's the obvious choice for who's next, right? Yeah. But is Oscar's he clamoring been, for that though? Yes, yes. Like when I talked to Daniel, when I went to the Bay and talked to Jacobs before the fight with Derek Tanko, he wants Canelo. <laughs> when I sat down with him, I think it was like the Thursday or Friday before the fight. And I sat and we talked and we did interviews on YouTube, but we talked afterwards. That's the only fight he really wants. Like, he wants that fight more than he wants a rematch with Triple G. Because he's like, Canelo's got a belt and I have a title. I need to fight him. Then I can run it back with Triple G. But he wants this fight bad. And, and to be honest with you, Canelo wants to fight. You know who doesn't want the fight? Oscar De La Hoya. Because Danny Jacobs is the guy who can come and fuck up the money. And that's really all there is to it. And Oscar... Like, one day he says that it's either Triple G or Daniel Jacobs, and then now he's saying it's neither of them, and he has different plans. Well, the plan was originally David Lemieux, but David Lemieux fell off the card because of, he can't make 160 pounds. It's like the third time he's missed weight, so he'll never fight at middleweight, probably again. Now, he just shouldn't. But you can do but a catch was, weight because Canelo just proved that he can move up, right? 
Yeah, but I think at this point with, with Lemieux not fighting, that hurts more than anything else. The best thing that they could have done was had Lemieux against Toriano Johnson. If Lemieux would have knocked out Toriano, that would have been the second time he was been on the Canelo undercard with a spectacular knockout. So then people would have been like, okay, fine. We'll deal with Canelo versus David Lemieux and Cinco de Mayo. But now that Lemieux hasn't fought, it's messed up everything. So Canelo's talked about fighting Callum Smith. He's talked about fighting um, Daniel Jacobs. And obviously he's talked about fighting Triple G. I personally think that they're going to end up going back to Daniel Jacobs, even though Oscar De La Hoya says no. I feel like that's the fight you have to make. Jacobs is the biggest threat in the middleweight division that doesn't have a big household name. But he's really good. And he gave Triple G hell, and he could beat Canelo. Even though, like, I'll say this. If people listen to this podcast, I have been down on Canelo for so many years. I, the Triple G fight made me a believer in Canelo, which I think that fight with Jacobs is much more competitive than I initially thought it was. But, yeah, I think, it's, I think that's the only way you should go. Maybe you fight Callum Smith, possibly because he has another world title, but you have to go with Daniel Jacobs. I mean, I think J- Jacobs is the obvious choice. Um it's just so easy. He's gonna be on the zone now. Like it's cool. He's on the zone. You can just he's make not it. on the. Is he not on the zone? It's not clear. Like he has a separate television deal. Like he's with Matchroom Boxing, which is Eddie Hearn. Correct. Like, people have to distinct. Matchroom Boxing is not the zone. Matchroom Boxing has a partnership with the zone, just like Golden Boy Promotions does. Daniel Jacobs had a, has a television deal with HBO, which is now null and void because HBO is not no longer doing boxing. Daniel Jacobs is actually a free agent. So every so the, Hearn fighter isn't on the zone. It's still Jacobs, very separate. Yeah, it's 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 very like there are there are deals being made. It's not saying like I have no totally no insight on this. Eddie didn't give me any extra insight. He yes, of course they want Daniel Jacobs to be on the zone. But as of right now, he's a free agent. Just like when an NBA player is a free agent, it's like he's gonna resign. Yeah. It's one of those situations. But, but technically he can go and fight Charlo. Yeah, technically, you go to PBC or ESPN or somewhere else. Hmm. I did not know that. Um, yeah, still, I think it's the easiest one. I think Canelo's next fight should be a, a, a true test again. Um, I don't need to see the Triple G rematch again right now, though. That, I think, I, I'm set on. I don't need to see Triple G in September. Maybe, depending on what Triple G does between now and in the summer, maybe I want to see it next September. But even then, I'm okay with taking a full year off of that fight. I'm just saying, Triple G, you might be older, um, but go out there, get a couple more wins, get your swag back, and then let's run this trilogy after maybe Canelo has all the belts or something. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm kind of in that same boat. The only <coughs> thing that works against Triple G is father time. He's getting older. Yeah. And, you know, he's got to nail down the deal. And I know that Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy want to cement Canelo's next fight as early as February. They want to move on this pretty quick. So I'm totally fine with Triple G and Canelo 3 not happening until September. Um, but anything further than that, it's like you know, Triple G gets another year older. Canelo's right in the midst of his prime. It becomes, I'm not going to say a less competitive fight, but it works against Golovkin. So, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. It's, but you're right. It, it has to be somebody like... For the sake of the zone, for the sake of business, you got to put him in there with somebody that can fight back. And Daniel Jacobs can fight back. And if you yeah. win, you for like Canelo arguably is like he you can make the argument that Canelo is number one pound for pound. If you really wanted to, you can. Yeah, because I of, mean, due to the cards, not due to your eyes, because I still think right. he did not win both of those fights. But whatever, I, I'm in the same boat. But it's just like when you compare resumes. 
Canelo's got the best resume out there right now. He's fought everybody. Yeah. I mean, you, even the, lo- the loss to Mayweather is no, no shame. I mean, you knock out of Khan. You go Triple G twice without taking an L. One draw, one win. Like, no one has that resume. No one. No, I mean, you the beat Sandy Lara. The, like, you never, yeah. like, nobody wanted to fight Lara. He beat Lara, even though, I thought he beat Lara, but a lot, it was a controversial fight. He beat Austin Trout. And people were like, who's Austin Trout? Well, Austin Trout beat Miguel Cotto a fight earlier. Yeah. Austin Trout was a dangerous opponent. And Canelo went in there and beat him. Yeah, he beat Angulo. Angulo was like a dead man walking. He beat Chavez. Like, he's got names on his resume. And I know people will say, well, Terrence Crawford and Vasily Lomachenko. But the problem is, those two don't have the portfolio that Canelo has. Yet and still, if you watch the fights, is the reason why Lomachenko and Crawford are above Canelo. Yeah. But... But Canelo, he's got he's got a Hall of Fame resume already, already. But you got to fight top names. Like you can't fight bums all the time. So Fielding, you give him a pass because it was a ninety day turnaround. You beat up Rocky Fielding. You took a, a, a you know a paper one sixty eight title, and then you go back down to, to middleweight, fight a champion, fight Daniel Jacobs, unify these titles. Yeah, I like that idea. I mean, I think that's where he goes next, and I'm okay with taking. If you're gonna fight three times a year, one of them could be a cakewalk. There's nothing wrong with that. It's cool to have a showcase and just remind people of the power and just KO someone and, uh, or just, you know, try to put your fist through someone's ribs cage. That's cool to me. Um, so this fight, yeah, it did exactly what it's supposed to do, but now it's time to get back to business. Now it's time to test himself. Um, talking about pound for pound real quick before we move on. It seems like I saw someone post a pound for pound, for pound list. No heavyweights. Are there heavyweights on yours or are we just disrespecting heavyweights? Because at, at this point, there there should be a heavyweight on the top 10 pound for pound. Yeah, we are disrespecting the heavyweights. Um, it, and it's tough because the heavyweight division just got important again. Like, it hasn't been important in years. And now after the Wilder Fury fight and after what Anthony Joshua was doing, I think personally that a heavyweight belongs at at least number 10. Yeah. And I think it should be Anthony Joshua. The guy's owns three world titles he's undefeated he beat the man who used to be the man by knockout should be anthony joshua i'll give it joshua like, i mean fury i can make a case for you beat klitschko when he was still klitschko uh yeah. you come back and you take the most dangerous fighter in the heavyweight division who was undefeated knocking everyone out and you have that fight you dominate that fight except getting knocked down twice so that draw actually looks way better on you than it does wilder so i i Tyson Fury has one hell of a case. Never lost his belt. Had to give it up. No, I mean, it's true. Like, these, there should be a heavyweight as, as low as number 10. Like, there should be somebody there. And Fury, the only thing that works against him is what have you done for me lately. Yeah. And he has, a, like, he beat up two basically crash test dummies and he had a hell of a fight with Wilder. Joshua fought Povetkin, and people say Povetkin's a bum, but Povetkin's really fucking good, guys. And Wilder beat Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz is really good. So it's like there should be a heavyweight there. So the heavyweight carousel is, is even more intriguing than it ever has been. Um, somebody was like told me, I had an argument with me that these guys would all get washed by heavyweights in the 80s. And I had to remind people, look, guys, Mike Tyson didn't just go out here just beating up top names his entire career. You guys got to cut that shit out. They were, he brought, he, like Trevor, he beat a bunch of, like he beat Michael Spinks who was tiny. He beat Trevor Burbick, who was, was like a deer in headlights. Like, the, like Razor Ruddick was good, but it's like, come on, Bone Crusher Smith. Like these guys were good, but 
Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, and Tyson Fury are I, I can definitely see them hanging with any heavyweight from the, the mid-80s to throughout the 90s. I can see them hanging. They're athletically gifted. I, I don't know why people say that these guys aren't that good. Wilder's the biggest wild card because his technique is trash. And he, he, <laughs> but the like knockouts, to, yeah, the knockouts speak for themselves, but not pound for pound this. You gotta have a little more a little more yeah. stability. Yeah, he needs like JD's his trainer. He needs a new trainer. Like he needs to get with Abel Sanchez or somebody because he needs more technique. But Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury could beat a lot of heavyweights from the eighties and nineties. I don't know if he beats them all, but he's and you gotta remember, guys, heavyweights in the eighties, like Michael Spinks was like six one, barely like two twenty. <laughs> Tyson Fury's like he's six seven. Anthony Joshua was six seven. Deontay Wilder's like six seven, six eight. These guys are giants. Well, Fury is six nine, right? Fury's taller than Wilder. Yeah, he might be 6'9". Six, 6'9", nine. Six, nine. something stupid. Like, these guys Crazy. are giants. Like, they're huge. They're huge. And, you know, Tyson, he was small. Yep. Evander Holyfield And had problems small. with length. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's... it's the, So, the current crop of heavyweights... I mean, even Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz is a bad dude. Like, people sleep on Luis Ortiz. It's a bad dude. The heavyweights, the current crop of heavyweights are very good... Somebody should be on the lower end of the pound for pound list. No, I, I agree. I just don't see him on there, and I'm just always like raising an eyebrow, like what the hell's going on? Um, real quick, excited about Tank Davis versus Abner Mares. I think it's yes. a really good fight. Very excited about the fight. We yeah. finally get to see Tank Davis against somebody who will fight back, and it's a litmus test. How good is Tank Davis really? And I think you called Tank. for this exact fight, like uh, yes, the last time we were talking about Tank after he won. I wanted Leo Santa Cruz. You said Morris. Yeah, I think the, like the Morris is the fight to make. It's an all-action fight. Morris is going to come to fight. Um, Leo Santa Cruz could be in, interesting because of the length, and there's a lot of things to go with that. But I don't want to say that Abner Morris is a more winnable fight, but it could be a more exciting fight. Stylistically, it, it lends itself for Tank to win. It's less less tricky than a Leo fight would be. Yeah, so it's we get a huge test for Tank Davis. It's at StubHub. StubHub's usually rocking when there's a big fight. Abner Morris is from California, so Javante will be in enemy territory somewhat. I'm going to that fight. Yeah, Slug Hub. Someone always gets knocked out. Yeah, um, So then we have that fight. Uh, moving on, MMA. It was not much going on last weekend. Pretty quiet week. But it was the last UFC on Fox event. Um, they, I thought it was a good fight in the main event. We had Lee versus, you know, real estate man, Ally Quinta. It came down to the fifth round. Both guys had, had pretty much split it right down the middle. Great fight. And Al dug down deep and pulled it out. I thought it was a really good fight. T to me, there's no losers there. Like, Kevin Lee doesn't have to feel bad. He thinks he won the fight. They'll probably run it back again down the line. Um, I thought it was really good. And I think they're both really great in that weight class, which is just easily the deepest in the UFC. I don't think they'll run it back because this is the second time they fought. Ayakint has now beat Kevin Lee twice, so I don't see them ever running it back. I think Kevin Lee needs to really take a look at his career, though. Um, losing to Ayakinta the way that he did, which is basically him taking his foot off the gas in the fifth round and allowing Ayakinta to dig deep and outgut him, mm -hmm. is a, it's a gut check because that division is too deep for you to be playing games. You're not going to beat the Dustin Poirier's of that division. You're not going to you're not going to beat any top lightweight with that kind of a performance. These guys are coming to fight, and, and Kevin Lee he takes these losses really hard. Um, so he's got he's got to figure it out. And Ali Akinta, yeah, he's knocking on the, the door of being you know top three guy. 
Um, he already had a shot with Khabib, but maybe with a, a training camp. Nah, it doesn't go any different. He still loses. Um, <laughs> he didn't take a round, but I mean, he survived. Yeah, yeah, you, you survive. In a, in a training camp, you just probably survive a little bit better. So, you know, Atkins' stock rises. Kevin Lee, is, is he's got to do a gut check, man. He's got to do a gut check on his career. Um, and figure out what he's going to do because losing to Ikenta, you know, he beat Barbosa, but you got rocked in that fight. Um, he's got he's got to figure it out. He's got to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, the top ten there, there are all title contenders in that division, and it seems like new people are being added all the time to that list of oh, watch this guy in that division. Like it's it's incredible, and this is why I say 165 pounds isn't a bad idea, Dre. Mm, tons of talent to fill out both. There's enough just, true uh, contenders no. to fill out both. All I said is just do it the right way. Just don't spring the division out there. Just figure out a way to do it properly. Yeah. Just don't just jump out of the blue and make a title fight. Have a tournament for the title. Have a bunch of guys be like, hey, you're out of the division if you go to 165. If you enter this tournament, you're no longer a lightweight or you're no longer a welterweight. Yeah. You can't compete there. You have to compete in this tournament. Like the welterweight Grand Prix that's going on in Bellator right now, is exactly what the UFC needs if they're going to introduce 165 division. I like that. And it creates intrigue. I always like that format. Um, yeah. Next up is just, you know, ESPN is moving, or UFC is moving to ESPN, so we'll see what that holds. Hopefully the fight cards just go faster um, because I feel like they just drag on at, at points on Fox. So hopefully we get better change on ESPN. They're trying to stack cards. We uh, talked about this last week on the podcast when people uh, came on, but... There's a full cancellation of a USC pay-per-view to make sure that Brooklyn card is really stacked uh, with a champ versus champ matchup, and I, I'm okay with that. This is the second time I remember them canceling this damn near same event, an L.A. show around the same time, and uh, to me, it's smart. Like, go ahead. Don't compete head-to-head with Bellator. Not that it's about them, but don't stretch yourself too thin. Focus on stacking the cards that you have and making an imprint. Yeah, I don't even know why they announced that dumbass show. Like, they knew they had the ESPN deal in place. That's what blows my mind. It's like, you know you have this ESPN card to fill out at Barclays. Why are you doing a pay-per-view? They should have did that in the first place. But, yes, you're absolutely right. Like, stack your cards. No need to go head-to-head with Bellator in this particular night. It's the end of their heavyweight Grand Prix. Unfortunately, Gegard Musasi has just been announced to be pulled from that card. So we're only getting one title fight. But still, like, just dodge. Stack your cards. Do better. Now we're going to get, fortunately, we're going to get Askren versus Lawler in Vegas, it seems like, which I'm totally fine with. Oh, yeah, so much better. I saw that. I was like, <laughs> I'm all with it. Um, that March 2nd card looks really good so far, too. And yeah. I'm assuming that's the Daniel Cormier headliner because it's right before uh, his uh, birthday. So, yeah, I'm, it seems I'm pretty sure he'll be on that. That's going to be another great card for us. Um, pro Wrestling, you are at ROH Final Battle. And to me, it was a blase show until probably the final two matches. No. Maybe. The, the, the Jeff Cobb-Adam Page match was Oh, yes. No, no. That, that definitely sparked it. Um, Cobb is on a tear so far this year. They're really highlighting him. Adam Page is probably, if, if we gave, and we'll do this next week. Uh, next week? Yeah. yeah. I think next week will be our award show. Um, but spoiler alert. You know, most improved wrestler of the year is Paige, Hangman Page, And he's from the street fights to crazy bumps to just normal wrestling matches and selling. And he's improved so much over this year. I thought he was going to be the punching bag 
for people just to get one over on the Bullet Club. And he completely changed everything to... I think he's one of the most sought-after guys in that group. Yeah, no. And and the ovation he got at Hammerstein was ridiculous. Like, that match the crowd was on absolute fire for. And it was a great match. Like, Page is great. Cobb is great. Like, that was a great match. But Page is... Yeah, he's... I mean, he's absolutely the most improved wrestler. And I I can't wait to see Jeff Cobb in G1. Yeah. So this, this tag tournament run that they just had with him and Big Mike, it was just, it did nothing but just make me excited. Yeah, I've been a Cobb fan since I saw him as Matanza in, in uh, Lucha Underground, and yeah, I saw him at PWG, and I'm like, this dude is just, he's a stud, man. He's just, he's like a uh, an Olympic version of Samoa Joe. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's the, he's an Olympic wrestler type of guy, but he's got that body, like, he's pretty chubby, like a Samoan Hawaiian dude, and he, but he just those guys around fun to watch very so they had a good match i take it back you know who didn't have a good match jay lethal and cody because you know what it was boring it was uh and jay lethal's man. new music is boring and trash and i really don't like his run I, I don't like it either i'm gonna be completely honest jay lethal as a baby face has done nothing for me and the the new music without truth martini like it's just it's so blah. And that match, it didn't pick up until Brandy speared Jay Lethal, which was actually kind of dope. But aside from that, it was like, it just wasn't a good match. It was the most disappointing match on that card, by where, far. Where is Truth Martini? Uh, some, uh, something happened. I can't remember what. Something I don't remember he, happened? Yeah, I don't remember hearing an explanation, but he was just gone. Yeah, there, there was something. And somebody's going to tweet us about this, but... uh. I'm pretty sure it was something legal that caught up to him, and then it caused him to be fired from the company. That sucks. Such a good manager. Was a really good heel stable. So that sucks. And now, you know, Lethal's just in limbo, which we said he's been in limbo for the past two years. I say he should have went to NXT just for for the hell of it two years ago, just because there's nothing left for him in ROH. I understand he does, like, some behind-the-scenes work. He helps with bookings or, I don't know, he does other stuff for the company, and he's like a company guy. But in ring, there's nothing else. Yeah, I mean, Lethal's he's just in one of those positions where it's like he needs a, a character refresh. I know they tried to shave his head and had the beef with the Bullet Club, but it's just, as a babyface, there's certain guys that you look at them like Bobby Roode, and you're like, why are you a babyface? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. Yeah, and for Lethal, the power was definitely in the hair. He, yeah. He shaved it, it was a wrap. Um, for- tag match to close it out. Bonkers. Yeah, I mean, as expected, we all knew the latter war was going to be bananas. Um, you know, Nick Jackson almost dying a couple of times. <laughs> Everybody bleeding early in the match. I mean, in the arena, it was just I'm telling you, like Hammerstein Ballroom, we've been to the Ring of Honor shows here in Vegas, and it was nothing compared to this shit. Like, the Hammerstein Ballroom is, is bananas. Like, the crowd is constantly hot. And it was like, there was women there which you never see really at independent wrestling shows. There were a lot of women at an ROH show. And I was like, who brought these women? But there was like a, there was like a blonde in the front row, apparently, that everybody was tweeting about. <laughs> Bored blonde chick? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there, were other, there was like women that were like marks. And like this crowd was just ultra hot for this match. Um, and it, this might be uh, SEU's last match too. SoCal and Sister might be gone from ROH as well. Yeah, it seems like they're, they really uh, just latched on to their work on being the elite and... That they may follow the lead out. That was the big surprise, right? 
that there was like a, a big hug and we're out of here and thank you guys and they took the bow and it seems like we've seen the last of the elite in ROH. Yeah, I mean the elite they're done, the Bucks are done, Cody's done, Paige is done. Uh if SoCal and Censor's done, I mean Christopher Daniels was his last match seemed like a very much like a farewell match with Marty Skrull. So now it's just Marty. Marty's the only guy left. And it looks like he's the obvious choice to take the ROH title at this point. Yep. Um ROH is in a tricky spot right now. They need to get some new talent. Of course they got Marty Skrull with the villain, what is it? Villain Industries. What is it? What are they called? Villain Enterprise. Villain Enterprise, which is a great name with a uh, PCO and a uh, what's his name? Damn it, I can't think of his name. But seems like they're gonna hitch their wagon to Marty Skrull. They blew it with with Dalton Castle. Absolutely blew it with Castle. So they need to figure this thing out because losing the Bucks, losing uh, SEU, uh, Page, like it's it's, it's going to be a rough next few months for ROH until they figure this shit out. Oh, and Brody King. Brody King, that's is right. the other one. Um, but Bandito signed. I believe ROH signed another indie talent today. So they're, they're trying to restock. It's just now you got to get character development for these guys. And you got to figure out where they're going to be in it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see where they go from here. They signed Mark Haskins. So, um, they're, they're trying to restock, man, trying to, trying to change direction. It, you're only as good as your champ and they haven't had a good champ in a second. Not that the wrestlers weren't talented. It just wasn't booked right for a championship program. Downton Castle was wasted as a champ. It, It just didn't click. And then you take the title off of him and go back to Jay Lethal and Mr. Dependable. But that doesn't work either. No, so you got to go to Skrull. The booking has been the problem. They have a lot of talent, but the booking with ROH has been the problem. So that's the yeah. part they got to get right. Two, there's nothing. There's no reason to watch the weekly show no. at all. They became nothing. too dependent on the Bullet Club. Then the Bullet yeah. Club outgrew them, and they just got stuck. And now they have to dig themselves out of that hole. Um, so that was ROH. WWE started, now that you caught up on it. Vince comes out and promises changes, right? Can we can we talk about TLC first? Talk oh, yeah, we do have TLC. TLC. Yeah, <laughs> I almost forgot. All right, yeah, let's go down um, TLC before we do that. And I feel like TLC, it had its moments. I'm There's not... only two matches to talk about. What? There's only two that I care to talk about. The women's TLC match and Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. The rest of the card... You, you got to talk about Ambrose and Rollins and Rollins getting booed out the building. Because it was a trash match. Like, that match sucked. That wasn't the greatest. But the fans already in their head had it, their mind made up that they weren't going to like the match. I mean, but it, it just wasn't good. And it, it's, it's what I, I think I said this like two weeks ago. We've seen this already. And they've completely wasted the Ambrose heel turn. Like, not that Ambrose is not a great heel, because I think he'll, he's an exceptional heel, because his coach are magnificent. But, the, <laughs> like, the, the feud with Rollins really has nothing on it. Like, there's really, it's, it's, it's lame. Yeah. It just, it, there's no juice on it. Like, it's just, and then the match itself, like, I've seen these guys do it a thousand times when they feuded before, and this wasn't that good. And, and Ambrose beating the Rollins in the manner that he did, it was like, all right, whatever, next. Yeah, no stipulation, like... It's TLC. I I understand. We've seen him have an amazing ladder match already. Do it again. Like if you want it to have real heat, you got to make it feel like it has real heat. Um, another match. Rey Mysterio tried to pull everything out of Randy Orton. Yeah, he for did. a chair, I mean, ma- chair match. They had good spots for a chair match. 
Yeah, I guess it's one of the best chair matches I've ever seen. Yeah, chair sure. match is just a stupid ass stipulation, but he did what he could with a stupid ass stipulation. Um, yeah. Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax. I oh yeah, Ronda looked really good in the ring. Nia yeah. might have been Nia's best match. But here's the crazy thing: Ronda carried Nia, and Ronda's only wrestled less than a year. <laughs> That's true, but Nia's Nia's big. It's like people carrying the big show. Like yeah, nah, like, but, it, but dude, you like to get a good match out of like Ronda. At this point, when people boo Ronda, I'm like, I don't even know what you're booing anymore because she's really good. Or they the promos. And the punches. Promos and punches. Those are the only two things that you could be like, these are terrible. Like, the punches are awful. The promos need work. But Ronda, in ring, the way she bumps, the way she works, she's really good. And this match was a very, it was very, very good. Wasn't the best match on the card, but man, for, for Ronda to wrestle this long and be this good already... She's a natural. Natural, just like Angle. Um, I love the positioning of this because I feel like she had a good match at the Evolution pay-per-view, but it was after Charlotte and Becky. So it was like, oh, you, it's a no-win situation, you know? Like, yeah. closing, like, this was positioned well. She was able to shine, no pressure. We appreciated the match. So I like that about it as well. Finn Balor actually beat Drew McIntyre. She confused the shit out of me. I didn't care about that match. That Drew was taking a loss. And then, okay, now we're to where you want to be. WWE Championship match, Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. I need to see a third match because I feel like they're getting a little better every time. I mean, this was one of the... This might have been the best match Daniel Bryan's had since he returned. Oh, easily. This was one of the best matches of AJ Styles in 2018. Right? Also true. So, these two had a hell of a match. We got a clean finish with Daniel Bryan winning with a, with a roll-up. Um, so, it, it did everything right. And it feels like the feud shouldn't be over. I don't know if they'll end it, but I, it feels like the feud shouldn't be over. No, I agree. Um, and SmackDown, you know, continues to tease them going one more time. So, finish it off at Rumble. I'm all right with that. And last but not least, Women's Triple Threat, Oscar versus Becky Lynch versus Charlotte. And the women showed out. They stole the show, closed it rightfully. And Dre, you're getting closer and closer to being right, which yeah. I, I, it pains me. But I, I feel like you're you're spot on. And Oscar Oscar won, and we might get the Hart versus you know Luger finish at the Rumble. Look, man, I told you the way that they played this, they played it right because they figured out what they, what they needed to do with Oscar, and they needed to put that title on Oscar because. She deserves it. But more importantly, if you look at the way that it's been laid out, they have to find a way to get free up Becky and Charlotte to get them over to Raw. So the only way to do it is you got to take the title. You have to, you have, to have Ronda ruin that match in order to draw heat and force them into that picture. I don't know what they're going to do with Asuka on SmackDown, but it, it was the right move. And then the match itself was exceptional. Very great, very great match by, by these ladies. Um, not as good as Becky-Charlotte match solo, but it's right on the heels of that. Um, arguably, these women have had the best two matches of the year in WWE. Yeah, like literally, like if you literally look at the best matches of, of the WWE in 2018, Charlotte and Becky and this TLC match should be in your top five. Yeah. WWE, because people would be like, NXT, no, 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 no. no, no. Main roster no, no. only. Main um, roster only. But 205 they, they, Live not included either, because I've seen some yeah. fucking battles on 205 Live. But yeah. main roster... 
Main roster, yeah, they're they're right there. And Oscar had a good title defense against Naomi on Tuesday yeah, I, when they let him wrestle. I thought that was a good match as well. So, yeah, they, so they'll be fine. So look, man, call me Nostradamus because I'm getting closer and closer with this one because I figured if you're going to go triple threat, you got to get them both over there. I'm, I'm still going for the Luger-Bret Hart Royal Rumble finish where they both get eliminated at the same time and they both pick Ronda Rousey for WrestleMania. Listen, I like it. I'm with it. Just send some women back over. Like, send Sasha over. She uh, had a good spot in the gauntlet match. She lost. Send her to SmackDown a feud with Asuka or something. Uh, Turn her heel. Let's finally get the boss character versus Asuka. And I think you have a great secondary women's match for a WrestleMania that you can build to. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much our show. We'll see. WWE promise changes. Probably won't happen this week. Everything's week. Well, everything's pre-taped. So, it it won't even kick in until the beginning of the year. So we'll see. We'll see what they deliver on, but hopefully we get less of the BS that has really made the product the, the worst it's ever been from a rating standpoint. So we'll we'll see how that goes moving forward. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening. Old Man was back in the house, and uh, it feels good to have you know the normal show again next week. We're just going to do our best of the year awards, uh, hip-hop, uh, pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. We give out those awards every year. That'll be our show next week. And then we'll come back you know, to start the new year, recapping the UFC events and everything else that's going to go on Wrestle Kingdom. It's going to be crazy. Our first show of the year is always bananas. So thank you guys for another successful year of the Corner Podcast rolling into 2019. We're happy you guys uh, continue to listen. Keep making a journey with us. So thanks. Follow us on social media at the Corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Until next week, we're out. Merry Christmas and peace.